0: Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollar. The Daily Dollar podcast is proudly brought to you by The Capital Chemist, Australia's premium community pharmacy where loyalty matters. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I chat with dispensary technician and certified sleep therapy consultant, Lauren Walker, all about sleep apnea and how it affects our health. Here's part one. Welcome back to the show everyone. What a great day we're having. I've actually got another guest on the show today and we're talking all about sleep. But for those of you tuning into the show for the first time, my name's Kate Freeman. I'm a registered nutritionist and the founder of the Healthy Eating Hub, an online program that teaches healthy eating habits and the Healthy Eating Clinic, which is a team of dietitians that can help you eat well long-term. And talking about sleep, My fun fact for today is that I had this weird dream last night, which I crazily remember and I don't normally remember my dreams. And I was walking around in my Guns N' Roses t-shirt and undies, which I wear to bed, which is complete overshare, but now you know what I wear to bed. Um, And I was trying to find somewhere to go to the toilet and I think it was my body's way of like trying to wake me up. But I'm going to ask our special guest about this in a second. Because I'm assuming she knows more about dreams than I do, maybe not. But a big welcome to special guest Lauren Walker. So Lauren is a dispensary technician and certified sleep therapy consultant working at the Capital Chemist here in uh, Canberra. So welcome, Lauren. Hey Kate, it's great to be chatting with you today. No worries. So is it true if you have if you want to go to the toilet in your dreams that you need to
1: wee in real life? Do you know about that? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I believe so. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a good way of your way for your body to wake you up.
0: Absolutely. Full worked for me. And then I did that panic where I was like, oh, my gosh, did I actually go to the
1: toilet in real life? Oh, dear. <laughs> well, fun fact about dreams, actually. While most people report dreaming in colour, roughly 12% of people dream only in black and white. No. But strange. yes. But strangely enough, before colour television was introduced, only 15% of people dressed in colour. Stop it. That's such a cool fun fact. Gosh. I'm glad to it just, it just happens to tie in very well to your dream story. <laughs> That's
0: perfect. So perfect. Wow. So they dream in black and white. Huh. Yeah. That's so interesting. My dream was definitely in colour last night. I do remember that. So there you go. Wow. That's super, super cool. So, well, welcome. We're talking about sleep apnea today, but before we get stuck into that, do you mind telling everyone just a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself, yeah, working as a sleep therapy consultant?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in the community pharmacy industry for just shy of 11 years now, um, I started working in the field quite young, actually still in high school. Um, I guess I've always had a drive to just help people and do some sort of work that would be meaningful and that's what got me into pharmacy so young. I just wanted to do something that was a little bit more stimulating and a little bit more um, up my alley than your standard retail or takeaway job at 15 or whatever it was when I started. And I've just sort of stuck with it since then. I really love being involved with the community and getting to hear people's stories and being able to help make some kind of difference in their day-to-day life. So the pharmacy background has been really, really great for that. I've been working in sleep for about three and a half years now in this setting. And as a part of my role as a sleep consultant, I run overnight sleep studies to help people sort of get a diagnosis for sleep apnea. And I also work with people that are getting diagnosed, who have been diagnosed from sleep apnea, sorry, and in terms of getting their therapy started for them. So we work with both people that have been diagnosed through the studies that we do in pharmacy, but we also have a number of sleep doctors and specialists across Canva that also refer to us for their patients to receive pap therapy or positive airway um, pressure therapy for their sleep apnea. So I work one-on-one with people who've been diagnosed in getting them started on their treatment journey.
0: Wow. That's cool. It that seems to be a common theme actually and in pharmacy of the pharmacists that I've chatted to so far. That you guys start working. It's one of your first jobs and then they they manage to keep you and you have your careers there. It's kind of
1: cool. What can I say? It's a great industry to be a part of, so getting into it so early, there hasn't been much of a reason to leave just yet.
0: Yeah, it's so nice. And I think the thing I, I love, which is probably pretty similar to what we do in private practice, is you do get the opportunity to meet people and because you spend that one-on-one time with them, you do get to hear their stories and sort of go on the journey with them, helping with them with their health and stuff. It's it's definitely pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into sleep apnea, there's an episode on sleep that I've looked at and we've definitely know that sleep quality and the quantity of sleep that you get has a pretty profound effect on our health um, from, you know, appetite to obviously daytime drowsiness and um, increased risk of chronic disease and things like that. Is it like the other way around? So obviously poor sleep lead, can lead to you know lifestyle problems and chronic disease, but can it go the other way around, like poor lifestyle and things like that then lead to sleep problems?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we see that quite a bit actually. There's a number of um, lifestyle factors that can be both a cause of sleep apnea and can also be the opposite as well, in the sense that having sleep apnea can be a risk factor to getting these chronic diseases. Um, It's funny how it works that way, actually, but even things like type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure can be uh, caused by sleep apnea, but they can also be a cause of sleep apnea. And environmental factors can be very similar to that as well. So things like depression, um, weight gain, those sorts of things can be both an outcome of sleep apnea and and a
0: cause of it as well. Yeah, right. So it's, it is one of those, (laughs) what comes first, the chicken or the egg scenarios with this.
1: Very much so. Very, very much so. I
0: think that can then, it can be challenging to obviously sort of help the person know where to start. I've certainly found that with, you know, working with clients where I've looked at, you know, their exercise levels and their diet and, you know, diet quality and energy, and they're really struggling with you know, getting the weight loss results they want, but they're only sleeping four hours a night. So then yep. I've said to them, I was like, I think, you know, we've sort of ticked off all these boxes here. I think it's time to go and, you know, work on your sleep, you know, with another health professional. But yeah, when you yeah, meet and- someone, sorry, I interrupted you, but when you no, meet no, someone, <laughs> what do you find is the first step? So if someone comes to you, they've like struggling with their sleep or they've been, you know, referred from someone, What's the process that you go through to then sort of work out what the best treatment option is for that person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess initially we look at their risk factors. So, do they have weight to lose? Are they on blood pressure medication? Are they diabetic? Do they have heart problems? Um, and are these things? Uh, are these conditions something that aren't being treated adequately? That to a point where that is disrupting their sleep, mm. or is it environmental factors in terms of? um, alcohol use, smoking, those sorts of things as well. Yeah. Or is it something completely different to these is it is. I mean, we often see young, fit people with no prior health conditions still coming in and struggling with their sleep. It's yeah. quite a common I mean sleep stress, sleep struggles and sleep problems are such a common issue that people face. And it can be really hard to pinpoint exactly what the cause is of that. So and the way to rectify that. So it can be down to things like iron deficiencies and vitamin deficiencies and um, or just poor sleep hygiene um, and those sorts of things. And I tend to start with, if it's someone who's young and otherwise healthy, what their sleep routine is in terms of going to bed, mm. what's their sleep hygiene like, how soon do they turn their phones off, and sort of seeing if there's any other external factors that can play into that. And if there's not, and then we start to dig deeper, what are the other health concerns that could be playing um, or just contributing to the issue here? And if that's the case, we're then looking at family history of sleep apnea and this is, there isn't a family history and there's no other comorbidities like or health or or chronic health conditions that can lead into um, a higher risk of sleep apnea. Then we start to, I guess, unfold what else could be going on. Mm. And for some people, it might just be that they have genetically got a narrow airway or they are more prone to something like sleep apnea, but it could be something entirely uh, different as well. So I guess sort of pinning down what might be the cause of their sleep issues and whether or not that is something that we can help them with in our outskirts of practice in pharmacy or whether it's best to be referring them to a doctor first to potentially have some blood done and have a chat with their doctor about other health concerns. Yeah. Um, and if it is something that we can potentially look at rectifying within the pharmacy setting, whether that be helping them quit smoking, helping them lose weight, or whether it be actually getting them tested for something like sleep apnea and then on to treatment. It, um, it can be quite a broad conversation to be had and especially for someone who doesn't have the common risk factors, it can be a little bit more difficult to, to determine where to start.
0: Yeah, right. So can you give me a sort of brief summary of what sleep apnea is just compared to someone who's just genuinely struggling to sleep?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Sleep apnea is a condition in which breathing repeatedly pauses while you sleep. Right. So when this happens, yeah. So when this happens, your oxygen levels drop. And once the brain registers this fall in oxygen, it actually wakes you up so that you resume breathing. Mm-hmm. So the sleep becomes quite broken. So there are two main types of sleep apnea, so central and obstructive. So central sleep apnea is far less common um, and is caused actually by a destruction in the brain signals that enable you to breathe. So, given its neurological nature, central sleep apnea requires a far more specialised treatment than what can be offered in a community pharmacy setting. They usually require referral elsewhere to specialists to establish what's going on there. Obstructive sleep apnea, on the other hand, though, is really common, Mm -hmm. and it occurs when the upper airway repeatedly collapses during sleep, so causing either a complete blockage in the airway and cessation of breathing called an apnea, or inadequate breathing where the airway is partially closed, called a hypopnea. So um, uncommon symptoms of this include snoring, choking or gasping for air during sleep, frequent use of the bathroom throughout the night, an excessively dry mouth or a sore throat when they wake up, early morning headaches or concentration, irritability, fatigue, that kind of thing. Yeah, wow. There you go. Yeah, so Yeah, so obstructive sleep apnea is the type of sleep apnea that most people would have some understanding of or at least awareness of. Mm. And it's the form that we deal with in a pharmacy setting. So I guess most of my advice today would be more tailored towards that particular type given it's the most common.
0: Yeah, interesting. So it's actually more to do with breathing than sleep per se, but obviously because it's happening while you're sleeping, it's greatly affecting your sleep and it's so important. Yeah. That, oh. Okay. This is cool. I'm learning so much. So, <laughs> w- based on that, what are th- what are the main risk factors or causes of sleep apnea for, for this kind of obstructive sleep apnea?
1: Yeah. So, I guess apneas occur when the muscles in the back of your throat relax, which is what closes off the airway. Right. So these muscles support the soft palate, the uvula, the tonsils, the side walls of the throat, and the tongue. So when the muscles relax, your airway narrows or closes as you breathe in. Mm -hmm. And there's a multitude of factors that can cause these muscles to relax. So one of the most common ones is excess weight or obesity um, because fat deposits around your upper airway can actually obstruct your breathing. So when a person's laying down, if they're carrying extra weight around their neck, that's putting more pressure on those muscles and on the airway, making it easier for it to collapse. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a similar reason, people with thicker necks, are at a higher risk of sleep apnea. So, whether this be their natural build or even those that have developed a thick neck from accumulated muscle mass. Yeah. So, sleep apnea is actually particularly common in power lifters and bodybuilders because of this. Wow. Yeah. Um, genetics also play into it. Mm-hmm. So, not only does a family history of sleep apnea increase the risk, but some people just inherit a narrow throat or an arrow airway. That being said, there can also be underlying ENT issues that can affect the airway. So things like enlarged tonsils and adenoids can block the airway and cause sleep apnea. And this is particularly prevalent in paediatric sleep apnea, so especially with, with kids. Men are two to three more times likely to have sleep apnea than women as well. So sleep apnea also occurs significantly more often in older adults as well so just because our muscles weaken with time and so they're more likely to relax or collapse on the airway as we get older mm.
0: so um, I want to ask a question now that maybe my yeah. listeners are thinking because I'm literally like husband snores at night <laughs> husband gets up and wheezes multiple times a night yeah he wakes me up and annoys me and I get cross at him and maybe there are listeners out there they're like oh yeah my husband does that too is snoring in particular like if you're snoring, you've got sleep apnea or you can snore and not have sleep apnea.
1: So you can snore and not have sleep apnea. Okay,
0: so, right. so I can't fully blame it on that right now.
1: <laughs> not not quite. Um, it's uncommon for it to be the other way. So it's yeah. very, very rare that I find a sleep apnea sufferer who doesn't snore. Okay. But there can be plenty of snorers that don't have sleep okay, apnea.
0: all right. This is good to know.
1: <laughs> um, 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 so this. there's some environmental factors that play into it as well. Yeah. Um, so... Smoking, consumption of alcohol, and the use of sedatives or sleeping tablets can all cause or at least exacerbate sleep apnea. Okay. So alcohol and sleeping meds can further relax the muscles in your throat, and so that will obviously close off the airway, while smoking can also increase the inflammation and the fluid retention in the upper airway. So that will also put excess pressure on the airways. Now, as we mentioned before about the chicken or the egg, in terms of certain health conditions playing mm. into sleep apnea, um, there's a few that can increase the person's risk of developing obstructive sleep apnea. So like I mentioned before, um, type 2 diabetes, so actually, 58% of type 2 diabetics suffer with obstructive sleep apnea. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, about 50% of people who suffer from high blood pressure also have sleep apnea. Um, congestive heart failure and Parkinson's disease can also put you at a higher risk. Um, As can polycystic ovarian syndrome, hormonal disorders, uh, prior stroke or chronic lung diseases like asthma and emphysema can also increase the risk as well.
0: That's it for today's episode. Tune in to the final part tomorrow. A big thank you to the Capital Chemist and the Daily Dollop in crowd for their continued support of our show. We couldn't do this without them. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review.